Welcome to Reading for a Change, a podcast for Moody Publishers, where we take an inside look at the books transforming our lives and shaping the world. I'm joined again uh, for this episode uh, by my brilliant uh, co-host, Trillia Newbell. Trillia is the author of many books, including Fear and Faith and Sacred Endurance. Trillia, thanks for being back with us. Thank you. Oh, and again, if you listen to last uh, the last episode, uh, we talked to uh, Ashrita Chuchu. Uh, Ashrita is the author, and she's back with us again. She's the author of Full Food, Jesus, and the Battle for Satisfaction, and the author of Unwrapping the Names of Jesus, which is an Advent devotional. And her most recent book is Bible and Breakfast, 31 Mornings with Jesus. And like I said, we talked to her about Bible and Breakfast uh, on our last episode. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that I would encourage you to check it out. It was a great conversation, uh, and it'll make you want to read that book and to taste that book, which you can't say about most books, but it has <laughs> all of these recipes in it that go with the devotional readings. Um, Asherita, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. This is fun. Awesome. Um, well, let's jump right into it. Uh, this time, though, I wanted to touch on a slightly different topic, and that is not talking just about your books per se, but talking about the process of being a writer, because uh, this is what you do. I mean, obviously, you're a mom and a wife and all the rest of it, but your central um, calling, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but your your work calling is as a writer and you've had tremendous success, especially for someone who's as young as you are. Uh, but from what I understand, this wasn't sort of an overnight success story. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure. Um, well, I have always wanted to write as far back as I can remember. Um, I, I just had an incredible childhood and, um, my parents were pastors in communist Romania and the Lord provided and protected and brought them out of there when there were death threats on their lives. And I just grew up with this incredible sense of God's presence in, in our lives today. Like he isn't just the God that worked a long time ago. He is the God who is alive and active and wants to be a part of our lives today. And as we traveled, um, we eventually became missionaries and went back to Romania as we traveled around churches, just sharing our family story and then later sharing what God is doing in Romania. I kept hearing people over and over again saying, man, someone should write this book. Someone should write a book about this. <laughs> and um, I think I just took that identity on myself as a young child to say, OK, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be the one who writes about God's faithfulness and what he does and how he works in our lives today. So from a very young age, uh, I, I loved reading. I was attracted to the craft of writing. And when I ended up going to college, I majored in English um, with the purpose of learning how to better communicate um, I also had five minors because I couldn't make up my mind, but one of them was women's ministry. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing, I'm, I'm just, I'm living the dream, so to speak. Um, but in so many ways, it felt like my life was taking turns that I didn't quite anticipate at times. And yet the Lord has been faithful to not waste anything. He has used everything so far and he has just been so faithful through the journey. That's a great backstory for a writer. I'll tell you that. That's really cool. Well, I was just thinking, 
when do you write and how? Because I'm I'm not sure about your family, but you, earlier or in the last episode, if you listen back, um, listeners, you talked about having children. So what I don't, yeah, what does it look like to write? <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> I have so much admiration for those writers who wake up at like 5 a.m. to write. That is not me. Um, a lot of my writing is sporadic, depending on if I have a book deadline that I'm working toward. Um, I've been so blessed in my partnership with many publishers. And I love that, you know, we vision together about the next few books. So I currently have two more books that I'm, I'm under contract to write. So at this stage, I'm more in the research um, part of writing where I'm, I'm reading a lot. I'm trying to think about how ideas can come together and thinking about, okay, what do I have to contribute on this particular topic? But then when I'm under deadline and, and I'm a few months out from that manuscript deadline, that's when I'll, I'll work it out to where I have a schedule of how many words I need to write per week. And for me, it works better to have it uh, a word count per week versus per day, just because my day-to-day life looks different. Uh, depending on if my daughter's going to preschool, if my older daughter has something going on at kindergarten, maybe I'm volunteering in her classroom or my husband needs me to do something for him. So having a weekly word count works for me. Um, And then about two days a week, I have set aside time that my mother-in-law babysits the younger two, and I can just focus on what I have to do on, on that particular day. But if it's a, like, if I'm, I'm coming to the wire and I have a few thousand words still left to to write, which was the case with my latest book, Uncovering the Love of Jesus, the Lent devotional. I still had um, about 15,000 words to write and I was about three weeks out. So on <laughs> when it comes to that, um, there's a coffee shop down the road from us and I will go there and get a hat so no one recognizes me and uh, pull it over my eyes and put in my headphones and I will sit and write for eight hours straight. Um, and it's not always pretty. I, I've done some of those uh, writing, like day long writing intensives where all I got was like 400 words and and it was just hard going. And then there were two days in particular uh, where I drove home from the coffee shop and I called my friend and I said, I just wrote 8,000 words. And both of you are writers. Like, you know, that is a miracle. <laughs> that is a feat oh, of yeah. God to be able to write 8,000 words in one sitting. So I, I would love to be, I think, a more consistent writer. But in this season, it really is just uh, trying to plan out as much as I can and then just showing up uh, because you never know if it's going to be an 800 word day or 8,000 word day. <laughs> that yeah. that definitely reflects my own experience. Um, yeah, often it's writing in fits and starts. Uh, like you said, I admire those people that have this like routine where they wake up early every morning and do it at the same time every day. But when you do have a hectic uh, schedule and children, especially, uh, you kind of write when you can. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes you, you kind of hit that flow and feel inspired, but it doesn't happen every time and you just have to show up and mm-hmm. uh, hope that it does. Um, you know, I remember, um, Ashrita, we spoke a while back and you mentioned that I think it was that day you had spent like all morning corresponding with uh, readers like <laughs> via email. <clears throat> and I thought, 
that's amazing. That's awesome. And I, I just thought you'd do such a phenomenal job of connecting personally with your readers. Can you uh, tell us how you've fostered those relationships mm -hmm. and then maybe how those interactions actually inform uh, your writing? Yeah. Well, I think on that particular morning that, that we were talking about, I had sent out a newsletter to my readers and I had asked them to respond. And I try not to do this too often because <laughs> when I do, I have the best <laughs> readers in the world and they do, they respond. And so I sat down and there were like 150 replies in my inbox of people wow. just pouring out their hearts or, you know, chiming in on whatever the topic was that day. And I do my very, I, I read every single email and I do my best to reply to as many as I can, because as you can imagine, um, that could be a full-time job is just replying to emails. <laughs> um, and, and I just don't have that kind of time in this season. So you'd be surprised. I mean, I know you're not, but I think a lot of listeners would be surprised how much of a writer's time goes to things that are not actually manuscript writing. Um, there's a lot of administrative mm -hmm. yes. work that comes with being a writer. But I think of all the non-manuscript writing work that I do, um, interacting with readers is my favorite. And it's never been easier to do that. It used to be, you know, 20 years ago when I first developed a love of reading that you'd have to somehow hope you can find an author's mailing address and pull out paper and a pen and a stamp and, you know, write a fan letter that way and maybe hope someone can reply to it. But nowadays we, we're just so blessed with access to people who have shaped us. And so I feel like that's a privilege for me because so much of what I do is one-sided. Uh, I might write a 50,000 word book and I write it all before anyone reads it. So to be able to get that type of feedback from a reader to say, I read your book and this is what God has done in my life because of it, um, that is a privilege. And I love sitting down and as much as possible, having conversations with people in that way over email, over Instagram direct messages, or, you know, however I can do that. Sometimes I, I meet with readers who are local at that coffee shop. Uh, whenever I can make it happen. Because then when I sit down to write, I have Anna's face in my mind. I have Mary's story hmm. on my heart. I think about Beth and what she's going through right now. And so I can write in a more personal way because I've been able to interact with readers that way. So you were just talking about being in community and writing and um meeting with uh and and engaging with your readers and i as you've already also mentioned we're all writers on the podcast and so we're all going to just do it so differently and i so i wondered because one of the things that i try to do is i i am in communication um i will email but i try not to get um now sometimes i have built built some really sweet friendships, but often I try to get people to go mm -hmm. to their local church and to make mm -hmm. that their community rather than having an online community or me be their, their person. Um, so I wonder how do you balance because you are so, um, pers 
personal with them. And it sounds like really um, engaged with your readers. As a writer, how do you balance not becoming mm-hmm. the church to them or not becoming a counselor or not, you know, how, how are you working through those yeah, things? That's such a good such a good thing that you bring up. And I, I do try to point people to the local church, um, point them to their women's ministry, to their pastor. Um, and when I say that I meet with readers in real life, it's not like every single, uh, friend request I get on Facebook. I approve. I don't. (laughs) Um, and I don't tend to like give people my personal information. Uh, I think what I was referring to is more, um, if they're readers who are local, like, um, in my local church that, are following my work and they're reading what I'm doing, um, then I'll, I'll want to, as much as I can get to know their stories. Um, but I don't have the bandwidth to be yeah. a counselor or to be everyone's best friend, uh, because I need to yeah. give my very best to my family. So it's, it's been a season actually the past six months or so of pulling back. And it's so hard for me to reply to some messages and say, I'm so sorry, I can't right now. Or at last fall, there were a number of people who wanted to meet and I was in the midst of launching Bible and breakfast. And I traveled, I think I was in six different cities in the course of like six weeks. <laughs> and, um, and any request that came through, I, I had to say, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do that right now. Uh, why don't you follow back in the spring? And there were a handful who did, but most of them didn't. Um, so I try, I try to use wisdom in some of those personal boundaries, my husband helps a lot (laughs) in reminding me that I am not a personal savior to everyone. (laughs) Um, And so as much as I can, I do try to point them to the local church. I just appreciate um, having like a two-way conversation because like I said, so much of writing is one way um, that to give my readers an opportunity to speak back to me about what they're experiencing uh, has just been invaluable as a writer. I I agree. I agree. I love receiving um yeah, emails and messages and and getting to respond and engage and encourage and and so I I do I think that is um encouraging and and um a beautiful thing that the Lord has allowed us cuz none of us are anyone's savior ever. <laughs> Only right. Jesus is. And so and so in the writing process just trying to balance those things has been an interesting thing. Yeah. Just trying to balance <laughs> pointing people to the right. No, it's source. easy to slip into though. Um, You're right. Yeah. Trying yeah. to uh, I'm so glad you answer that, everyone's <laughs> questions. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, be everyone's best friend. At least that is for me, you know, initially when I got emails by, you know, someone who read my book, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Thank you. You know, when someone other than your mom reads your book, you're uh you're very right. happy. <laughs> I remember I, don't I was think my a- mom's read my books. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if my hands she That's says okay. she does. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so it's it's pretty fun. I think that's a great part of writing, right? When someone, especially if it made an impact on them and changed something about their life, that's just a huge privilege to hear. Um uh, I remember running into a guy at a conference who recognized me and said he read my book and I fell into his arms and just mm-hmm. held him. It was really awkward. Uh, anyway, no, but <laughs> um, I, but balance is the key word there. I think you're absolutely right because mm. um, at least with this latest book, it's been great. I've got a lot of feedback from readers and a lot of them, you know, that say, Hey, let's hang out. And I'm like, absolutely. We go have coffee and it's been fun. But then recently my wife was like, Hey, listen, you got to 
you know, pull this in because yes, I felt like I was taking mm -hmm. off a lot, uh, leaving her with the kids while I went out and hung out with, uh, pastors and, and people who, who had engaged with my book, which was great, but there's gotta be that balance because you're right. Your first, mm -hmm. your first obligation, your first ministry is to your family. And that's super important to remember. Well, thank you. That, that was, um, really enlightening, especially for those listeners who feel maybe a call to write, have thought about this. Um, or for just people who want to take a peek behind the curtain and, and get a glimpse, uh, kind of inside glimpse at the life and the process um, of a writer. Um, I also want to put in this plug um, uh, for Ashrita's books. Um, if you've been enjoying this conversation, please head over to moodypublishers.com, grab a copy of one of her books. Um, since you're a listener to this podcast, we want to give you a 50% discount on your first order. And this is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Just enter the code when you're checking out Reading Podcasts. That's all one word when you're checking out and you'll receive the discount. Again, head over to moodypublishers.com and enter Reading Podcast at checkout to receive 50% discount. Okay, so time for the big picture. This is where we discuss a related topic. Um, and, and of course, we're talking about writing. So I want to talk about speaking. Uh, and this is a lot of thing. Uh, this is something I think that a lot of people don't realize when they want to be a writer. They think, oh, great. It's going to be me, you know, sitting in a cabin, uh, uh, <laughs> tapping out words on a computer that go out to millions of readers. And I kind of sit here in isolation. But if you, especially if you're a nonfiction writer, what often results, if you do have a little bit of success with your writing, is you get speaking invites and they might not be to like, huge conferences where you're talking to thousands of people, but maybe to your local church or to, you know, uh, a men's or women's group or a Bible study. But speaking and writing are very different animals. So uh, Asherita, Trillia, both of you, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on balancing speaking and writing, how they're different, uh, which one you enjoy the most, that sort of thing. Man, I want to hear from Trillia on this one. <laughs> me too oh well <laughs> i was sitting back kind of waiting um okay <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> um okay so so for me i'm a writer who speaks not a speaker who writes hmm. but a writer who speaks and i when i first started was I wasn't mortified, but I was a little bit mortified. And what I realized is that I just was so self-focused. Mm. I couldn't speak well. And I read a little bitty book that Tim Keller wrote called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. And in it, he just basically talks about, as I'll, I'll paraphrase one thing, he says, it's not that we think less of ourselves we need to think less about ourselves. And so as I was thinking less about my, yeah, yeah. As I began thinking less about myself and more about serving the people, loving the people and glorifying God and just speaking his word, I was, I've been able to now do it with much more joy. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I, I think, yeah, just, so for me, it was, it's been about um, trusting trusting God <laughs> with, with the results. Um, not to quote Keller again, but he says, don't let success go to your head and failure go to your heart. And so I had to just not try to judge myself based on 
people's responses or what I hoped for would be a response. But just like when you share the gospel, it's God who, who, who transforms hearts. So mm-hmm. I can't do that, but I can be faithful to speak. And so just that's what, that's what I think for me has been, um, something that's been freeing is to trust God and entrust it to him and to pre- prepare. So, you know, just to prepare and pray and, 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 um, prepare my heart, prepare, literally sit down and prep <laughs> and then pray, ask God for, um, God for words to say, be led by the spirit that if, if there's something while I'm speaking that needs to be said and it's to say it, um, entrusting it to him. And so, so that's it for me. I think it's mostly just, um, learning to love others and serve them, um, by not thinking about myself so much. (laughs) That's really interesting. So helpful. Ashrita, I'd be curious about your thoughts as well. Yeah. Well, um, because I was a missionary kid, um, I had the experience early on of being on stage, thankfully not having to speak, but just standing on stage in front of thousands of people. <laughs> so that that was, I guess I had to get over stage fright pretty quick, um, even as a child. And then I started writing and like Trilia, I would say I'm more of a writer who speaks. So even as I prepare messages um, to be you know, delivered on stage, and I'm more likely to sit down and write like sentences and paragraphs. <laughs> um, and then I'll go through just on a practical level preparing, I'll go through and I'll time myself. Um, how long does it take me to read through this? And I'll read through it multiple times and I keep cutting every time. Um, because it's different to deliver something orally than it is to read something um, Absolutely. When you read something silently to yourself. And so I'll find that maybe the the timing of something isn't quite right, or maybe it's been a long time that I've been um, going deep into scripture and I need to bring them up to the surface for a breath of air. And it's time for something light, like maybe an anecdote about my kids <laughs> to just kind of break some of that um, seriousness so that it gives my listeners a break in their brains. And then we can go back in and so what I found uh, for speaking is that it really is about serving the listener and thinking about what do they need. Um, and I love the fact that there's real time reaction and interaction. So I can see literally Drew and Trillia, I don't know if you've ever had this ex- experience, but I was at a retreat in front row. I hear snoring. <laughs> I kid you not. The person in the front row was falling asleep on me and snoring. And I'm like, dear Lord, help me. What? I'm putting them to sleep. Now you know how pastors feel, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is not what I expected you to say. That's hilarious. And um, this sweet lady came to me. I, I mean, there's this moment of almost panic, right? Okay, what am I doing wrong? And the sweet lady came to me afterwards and she she said, please, I'm so sorry. I fell asleep. Don't take it personally. I am on this um, oxygen monitor and um, I just fall asleep yep. when I don't get yep. enough oxygen to my brain. So it wasn't you. It was me. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And man, yeah. you just have to have a sense of humor about these things. Like, don't take yourself seriously because um, yeah. it, it's just such a privilege. And I will say, I, I love writing And like Eric Little, I will say there are moments when I write, when I feel like God's pleasure 
the pleasure yes. of God. Like <laughs> it feels like the spirit is carrying me and yes, let's do this thing. And other days it feels like, man, I am just hacking out this keyboard and nothing is coming together. But there's something so special that happens when you um, spend time in God's presence, preparing your heart, preparing a message, really praying that God would prepare the hearts of those who listen. And then having all of that come up together when you step onto that stage and saying, it's not about me. It's about, it's about you, Jesus. So would you shine through me? Would you speak your words through my mouth? And to have those moments of knowing this is the Holy Spirit speaking right now, because I know I do not have the skill to put these words together. I know I don't have the wisdom to say what I'm saying right now. And, and yet here I am a vessel at his disposal. There is no greater joy than to be used by God, whether it's on stage or with my three-year-old and to sense it's the Holy Spirit who is at work in my life right now. And I get to be part of that. Such great thoughts, both of you. Thank you. That those were really helpful points for me personally. Um, because yeah, speaking and writing are such different animals. You know, not everyone who can write can speak, and the opposite's true, right? Not everyone who can speak can write. Uh, and I'm definitely in that camp of being a writer who also speaks. And in fact, initially, um, I remember getting a couple of inquiries about speaking through my website, which I just ignored because I was too scared to accept them. Uh, mm. And my wife got the, <laughs> the notices as well because it kind of went to her web or her email as well. And she's like, you can't just ignore these. You have to respond anyway. But then when I started to do a couple, well, first of all, it like ruined the entire week before, right? I'm just like dreading it, totally nervous, <laughs> probably way too focused on myself. How am I going to come across? Uh, it's just so much scarier than, than writing. Uh, but then once I did it, I found it really gratifying. Like you said, Asherita, that there's something about being present with people and seeing that those immediate reactions. Um, it's, it's a humbling and rewarding sort of thing. And really, I had to kind of change my way of thinking. It's like, okay, you've got a message that you want to get out there that God's placed on your heart. Writing is one way to do that, but speaking is a way to do it as well. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, they, they do complement each other, but they're different sorts of things. So thank you yeah. for that, that conversation. Very, Drew, very helpful. Yes. I also, go ahead. I wanted to add just cause this came to mind and if there is someone right now who's listening and they're a writer or a speaker, I just want to say there will be times when you walk off the stage with a heavy heart because you feel like that did huh. not land at all. And I, I don't know, did I do something wrong? Is it just something's not going on here? <laughs> like what is wrong? And, <laughs> and I want to encourage anyone who's found themselves in that place, um, just go back to the Lord in prayer. If there is something that, because I've had that experience where um, I stepped down and I'm like, Lord, what happened? Like there wasn't resonance with the audience. They weren't laughing at my jokes. They weren't nodding their heads at the points where they're <laughs> supposed to do it. Like what is wrong? And it's so tempting in that moment to make drastic decisions and say, well, I'm just not a speaker. I'm just not gifted at this. I'm just mm. never going to do this again. And um, instead of allowing that discouragement to set in, taking that experience and talking to God about it and saying, did I not prepare as I should have? Was there sin in my life where I have not repented and I was not ready to go and bring the word to these people? Or maybe there was spiritual warfare that I was unaware of, or maybe the seed has fallen and it will take years for that seed to bear fruit. 
but I was faithful in what you've given me to do. So I just want to say, don't discount those, those experiences where it isn't, it doesn't feel anointed or it doesn't feel like the joy of the Lord is on you. Like continue to be faithful in what God has given you uh, because that's what he looks at. It's the faithfulness, not the audience's response, not the clapping, not the thank you so much that you get at the end. It's him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good Can word. I add Thank to you. that? Can I? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Please. Well, I just I I'm so glad she said that. And I I just want to echo that and say not everyone's going to be in front of a big audience either. And I think so some uh, since we're talking about writing and speaking, so many people um it, it can be a temptation I think to strive for big audiences and hmm. big book sales and whatever it is a big Big, big, big. But in scripture, we see, I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples. <laughs> and, right. you know, and, and so we are called to make disciples, but there isn't this big, massive number of people. If I am talking to my neighbor and sharing the gospel mm-hmm. with her, I am being faithful. Yes. So mm-hmm. it may, so I just think um, we just want to be just evaluate our hearts and be, be, be really encouraged if you are working hard in the local church and that is where God has placed you. That's where God has placed me. I get, I have the joy of being a greeter in my local church. I mm-hmm. lead a Bible study of eight women, maybe nine or 10. Um, and so I, I want, I think sometimes that people can see writers like, um, and, and think that, you've got to have the big stage to be effective, but the most effective people that I encounter are those who are doing the work of ministry in their daily to day, everyday life in their local ministry. I know people who are writing curriculum for their local church. That curriculum will never see and probably never be published by Moody Publishers, who we love, but <laughs> they they may never it may never reach there. But it is reaching the hearts of many many people mm-hmm. in their local church, and God can use and does use that. So I just don't want to discount that amazing ministry um, of the local uh, body, local church, and neighbors. Yeah. Oh come on, so Trilia, true. that was good. Oh man. Preach. Yes. That, <laughs> that's inspiring. And it's so true. And I love that, that reminder to be connected to the local church. And, uh, and even for people that do have, you know, a modem, a modicum of success when it comes to writing and speaking outside of that essential to keep that connection. Well, thank you uh, to both of you for this conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it, especially the snoring story. Uh, Asherita, <laughs> oh, that was that. hilarious. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Um, and I think, I think it was just good for people, you know, especially that are, are thinking about writing or are writers. I think sometimes we launch into the writing thing with some lofty desires that we're going to share our ideas with the world. And that's part of it. But I think the more you get into it, the more you realize it's really about faithfulness. It's about showing up, letting God use you, serving readers, right? Um, it's not really about you. It's about them. It's about the message. It's about faithfulness to God. Um, and so thank you for that reminder. And again, to connect it to the theme for this season, it's truly a way of serving and loving people. So thanks to both of you. 
Listeners, please join us for the next episode. Um, we're going to be talking to Brian Fickert, uh, who is author of When Helping Hurts, and uh, his latest book is Whole. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I also want to ask you to please uh, rate the podcast, leave some reviews. I don't know where you listen, but Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, if you can give us a rating, leave a review. Even if you go on there and say, Drew told me to do this, and you just type that, that even helps. <laughs> <laughs> you may want to get a little more creative, but... You can say, um, I loved the snoring story. <laughs> there you go. And people will be so curious when they see that, they'll check out the podcast as well. <laughs> so thank you uh, to uh, you, Trillia, and to our guest, Ashrita, for both of these yes. episodes you've done with us. And thanks to you listeners. And until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.